and we welcome you back to our first recap here on NFL Study Hall. I'm your host, Cade Chumslin, and wow, what a series of games we had in week one. Guys, this was exciting. I don't know if we're going to have as great of a week of football as we did in week one. Um, I'll get to my how my game picks uh, eventually ended up at the end of the episode, but we're just going to dive straight into Thursday night football, NFL kickoff and NBC, Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this might have been uh, one of the most exciting games in week one. Buccaneers get the victory 31-29, to and I think the winner wasn't necessarily the um, surprise of this game, but it was how they did it, right? You have the Dallas Cowboys who go and drive with a tw- minute and 24 seconds left. They kick the game-winning field goal, and then Brady does what Brady does best, drives down the field, got a little bit of a lucky offensive uh, interference call miss that might have been able to change the outcome of this game, but nevertheless... Ryan Suckup does his deal, kicks the game-winning field goal, and the Buccaneers win by two. But a few big things in this game. First of all, Prescott looked absolutely fantastic, right? 42 of 59, 403 yards, three touchdowns, and that one interception. But having, I mean, this guy, you look at his angle entry he had in week five, week six of last year. It was uncertain whether he was going to be able to play in this game, and he looked like he was midway through his season. I mean, this man looked comfortable in the pocket. That was the biggest thing I noticed. It wasn't necessarily that he was making big plays. Is that he stayed in the pocket, even ran out of the pocket, and got some rushing yards in this game as well. So Prescott, I'm very, very impressed with, and he should do just fine rolling into Week 2. Some other things I am concerned about, though, with the Dallas Cowboys. First of all, Ezekiel Elliott went 11 carries and 33 yards. That is unacceptable. I know Dallas is a notorious team for passing the ball, but when they went to the NFC Championship back in 2017, they did it because Ezekiel Elliott was a stud rookie running back who made a pro ball. He had unbelievable numbers, unbelievable fantasy numbers, and he really carried this team, and Dak Prescott did what he did. Now everything's kind of shifted. Prescott is now the number one man, and Elliott is trying to hang on. That's not how this Dallas Cowboys team is meant to run. They are a running team, first and foremost. Now, I know Zach Martin was out in this game, and we wish him all the best, and hopefully he'll be back by next week. But nevertheless, it's still a pretty decent offensive line. So Elliott needs to be able, I mean, this is the same Ezekiel Elliott we saw last year, and we were all very disappointed with him, especially me. Didn't feel like he had any heart when he was out on the field, and I think he looked better in this game, but he still isn't producing the numbers that he needs to produce to get the stress off of Dak Prescott. I mean, 58 throws. 58 throws for a guy who hadn't played in eight months is pretty darn impressive, if you ask me. So, again, I'm happy with Prescott's performance, still worried about uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Defense, on the other hand, I thought the pass rush in this game was absolutely fantastic. Brady uh, was having to dodge defenders all game long. I think they were able to handle him very well in the pocket. But, I mean, that's secondary. It definitely needs some work. But you were playing the best passing team in the NFL right now overall. I Someone could make an argument with Kansas City, but uh, Tampa Bay, in my opinion, has more depth than Kansas City. So, with the greatest quarterback of all time, With the greatest receiving core in the NFL, I think they handled it 
pretty well, honestly. I mean, it says they scored over 30 points, which they did, but these guys were held to under 30, under 30 points ever, until the very end. Two interceptions by Brady, uh, two fumbles in this game, four turnovers. I mean, that is that is very, very well done. Uh, Cowboys were in this all the way, had the lead at one point. Um, unfortunately, Brady did what he did, but I was extremely impressed with the Dallas Cowboys. And as I was watching the game, I was very nervous of my NS- NFC East uh, rankings. I had the Cowboys, I think, second to last in their division going 7-10. and 10. And if they stick to what they're doing right now, uh, they will not end up like that, possibly winning the division going double digits. We'll see if they can handle with the Washington football team, and I'll get to their game in a minute. But overall, fantastic way to start off the NFL season. Moving on, we're going to get straight to it, guys. We're going to my Houston Texans who put on a show in Houston. We don't do that very often, guys. To win in Houston is a major feat for us, and we absolutely came out of the gate firing. We scored 27 in the first half, final score 37 to 21 in favor of the Texans. And I absolutely love how this new offense is running. Uh, Deshaun Watson was the third string cornerback and uh, officially ruled out for this game beforehand. But Tyrod Taylor, I think, did everything that Deshaun Watson could have done. He went 21 for 33, 291 yards and two touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, the man stayed clean. He was able to get out of the pocket extremely well. But what I love even more is that we are back to running the football. Mark Ingram, 26 carries, 85 yards and a touchdown. Philip Lindsay also had a touchdown in this game. We have always been a run-first offense. That was back when Arian Foster was here. Lamar Miller was here. And then we kind of lost it in the running attack, and Deshaun Watson had to do some miracle stuff, which he did. But at the core of this team, we are a run-first team. And now we got some serious studs in here. I apologize for saying we, but I was wearing Texans gear all week this week, and I am stoked on what this team is going to do in the future. Defense looked fantastic. Defense looked hungry. Three interceptions on Trevor Lawrence. Let's get to Trevor Lawrence now. 28 of 51. Let's stop there. 51 times you're going to throw the football to your rookie for your rookie QB. I mean, I know it's the Texans and I know we it's not a very good defense, but 51 times, guys, especially since you have James Robinson who was in top 5 in basically all stats and running back last year and you actually ran Carlos Hyde more often than you did James Robinson or more effectively than you did with James Robinson. Carlos Hyde is a great running back, but he's not the number one type of caliber that we saw in James Robinson last year. I'm sorry, he's not. And why are you going to have your quarterback absolutely rip his arm off in his very first NFL regular season game? I highly disagree with the strategy that the Jaguars had coming into this game, and Trevor Lawrence showed his rookie level. Yes, he went 332 yards and three touchdowns, but he had three interceptions, and all of those interceptions were with clean pockets and two of them at least were in his own side of the field. He made a lot of rookie mistakes in this game to arguably the worst defense in the NFL coming into this game. I didn't like what I saw from Trevor Lawrence. He's got to work on his, and he's been so credited for his IQ skills, and his IQ skills were the ones, was the thing that hurt him in this game. We'll see if he can handle next week. Next game, Vikings versus the Cincinnati Bengals. This was a fun one to watch as well. Back and forth all game, went into overtime. Bengals obviously get the win, 27-24. to 24. Let's look at Joe Burrow here. 
20 of 27. Fantastic numbers for what he should have done. Um, you look at some of these other quarterbacks who went down early. Dak Prescott threw 58 times and had a season-ending injury just like Joe Burrow. Actually, Joe Burrow has his, had his later than Dak Prescott, and Joe Burrow was only throwing 27 times. I absolutely love that. 261 yards, two touchdowns. Again, another guy who looked calm, cool, and collective in the pocket. What I love more, though, and I just I love teams that are able to do this, Joe Mixon, 29 carries, 127 yards, and a touchdown. They were able to effectively run the football, give the pressure off of Joe Burrow. We all know Burrow's got the arm. I mean, all of us do. We all know he's got the arm. Now he's got the receivers. In fact, Jamar Chase, the rookie, had five receptions for 101 yards and a touchdown. He, We're going to get to rookie wide receivers as we move through these, as we move through these games, but they were absolute studs this year, or at least in week one. But the strategy that the Cincinnati Bengals had coming into this game I thought was absolutely perfect with the relationship of touch of touches to Joe Mixon and throws by Joe Burrow. I hope they can keep that up in the future. Vikings, on the other hand, Kirk Cousins, 36 of 49, 351 yards and two touchdowns. Honestly, not a terrible game for him as well. Dalvin Cook, 20 carries, 61 yards and a touchdown. He's going to be more effective. 20 carries is about right for him. Maybe you should see more like 23 or 25. But 61 yards, three point, almost just over three yards per carry against the Cincinnati Bengals defense that we never, that we honestly didn't see being effective this year. Cook has got to be more. Cook has got to do better. I think all of us know that after week one. Kirk Cousins had to throw the ball 49 times. Now, a lot of that came at the end of the game when they had to move the ball downfield and in overtime. But Dalvin Cook still wasn't able to get anything done. Overall, the Cincinnati Bengals, this is a nice win for them. I don't think they're going to say anything in the division uh, because you got the Browns, Ravens, and Steelers who all looked pretty decent this week. But for the Minnesota Vikings, you got to start winning games because the NFC North this week went 0-1. You all, every, everyone's back even in the NFC North. So the Minnesota Vikings need to take this loss and really learn from it. All the NFC North teams, for me, except the Bears, I mean, the Bears played the Rams and the Detroit Lions played the San Francisco 49ers, so I understand why they lost, but the Packers had an unbelievable loss to the Saints this week. So if all these teams are at the same mediocre level, then the Vikings have a real opportunity here, but they need to win this game to get themselves rolling because there are a lot harder games ahead of them. Vikings need to turn things around. Next, Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. We're going to go a little bit out of order here because um, having friends from Miami and living in West Palm Beach, I'd like to get to these uh, fan base games a little bit sooner. So Dolphins-Patriots, final score 17-16 to in favor of the Dolphins. We, this was the battle of the Alabama quarterbacks. That was the big story coming into this game. Tua Tungavailoa versus Mac Jones. And they honestly, for a low-scoring game, they did put on a decent show. Tua, 16 of 27, 202 yards and a touchdown, as well as an interception. But Mac Jones, 29 of 39, 281 yards and a touchdown as well. Mac Jones, I think, looked better in this game. Yes, I know he threw more, but he's also a pocket passer, and New England is a pocket passing type of team. Uh, he definitely looked um, very comfortable for his for his rookie game. He was able to keep the ball clean this game against an impressive Miami Dolphins defense, especially in that secondary. So 
He's going to definitely face some easier defenses, so I love how clean he was keeping the ball in this game. Honestly, they were just unable to drive down the field. Uh, they played a played a very good game, but it was getting in the run zone and getting in the end zone that was really struggle. I mean, one touchdown and four interceptions. So I definitely think the Patriots did a fantastic drive uh, job driving down the field. But the Dolphins did what they do best. This was a common theme for the Dolphins, in my opinion. Letting teams have yards, but staying out of the points, getting out of staying out of the end zone was especially from the Dolphins last year. And this team didn't put up a ton of points like I thought they would. Uh, Tuatonga Vailoa, I definitely think. I'm sad to say, but he looked, he still looked like a rookie to me. Little better, little better, I will admit. But there's definitely some things to handle. You're only just over 50% in your completion percentage. Um, they're going to have to find a good system now. They got Will Fuller coming in, so I like that. But what I even like more is this guy named Jalen Waddle. I mentioned how the wide receiver rookies had a fantastic week this week. The man had four receptions, 61 yards, and a touchdown with a 36-yard uh, completion in there as well. So Waddle definitely did very nice with Tua Tungavailoa, and Devontae Parker also had four receptions and 81 yards. Now you got Will Fuller coming in. So hopefully they can really utilize that offense more. But tight end-wise, we all thought Gusecki would have play a bigger part in this thing, and he went 0-0 and only three targets. I don't know if the uh, my the New England Patriots were targeting Gusecki as a lockdown on a lockdown, but the Dolphins definitely seem to not want to use him at all this game, and I'd love to see Gusecki be that fourth man in this roster that can really make an impact in the passing game. Next up, Eagles versus Falcons. This was the biggest surprise for me in Week 1. Philadelphia Eagles win in Atlanta, 32-6. to six. Yeah, that's kind of hard to stomach after how much talk I've given the Atlanta Falcons this offseason. I mean, roster-wise, the Falcons should win this game. Reality-wise, the Eagles absolutely dominated. Jalen Hurts, this was the best game of his career. 27 of 35, 264 yards and three touchdowns. Devontae Smith, the other rookie running wide the other rookie wide receiver, six receptions, 71 yards, and his first NFL touchdown. This offense was flying down the field. No, there was uh, the Falcons literally didn't have an answer for Jalen Hurts. I mean, he this man looked great in the pocket. He was seemed very very accurate. I mean, Hurts' accuracy had something that had been questioned coming into the NFL, and he really changed doubters' minds. I'm not fully into him yet, but I think this is a fantastic first start for the season. For the Atlanta Falcons, I'm more disappointed in their offense not being able to score against a defense. Like we said last week, that is a banged up linebacker core that needs help in the secondary still. Matt Ryan, 21 of 35 for only 164 yards. There was really not an attempt to get downfield, at least as much as I wanted to. Calvin Ridley, only five receptions for 51 yards. And Kyle Pitts, essentially a rookie wide receiver for how he's built, only had four receptions for 31 yards. And he had an 18-yard reception, reception in there, so that makes the other three receptions only count for 12 yards. This this is a deep ball type of offense that needs to get the ball in the air. You can't just have dump uh, dumping, dumping plays to get yourself down the field. Also, your uh, wide receiver, your running back core, Mike Davis, 15 carries, 
for only 49 yards, offensive line has to do a better job getting that run game going because Matt Ryan is not a Dak Prescott. He's not a Tom Brady. He's not a Patrick Mahomes who can fling the ball for 50 times a game. He needs that balance in order to stay through a full four quarters. But fantastic win for the Eagles. They are the only team in the NFC East to have a dub in the first week. So they are first in their division. And if they keep playing like this, they're really going to make a run at that division. Right now, we all say NFC least, but I think three out of these teams in the NFC East had great, great performances in week one, Philadelphia probably being the most. Pittsburgh Steelers, Buffalo Bills, another one that deeply surprised me. The Buffalo Bills were up 10-0 at the halftime, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers basically went on a rampage, especially from the defensive end. Obviously, they had that blocked punt that really broke ahead them, broke them ahead from the Buffalo Bills. But Josh Allen fumbled the ball twice in this game. The Steelers really took over this game in the second half, especially from a defensive perspective. And Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills really didn't have any answers for them. Allen was 30 of 51, 270 yards and a touchdown. The deep ball really wasn't working. I mean, this secondary was all over those Buffalo defense or Buffalo receivers, especially Stephon Diggs only had nine receptions for 69 yards. The man that led the league in yards last year in week one only gets 69. Huge credit to Steelers defense. Um, Truly able to shut down the Buffalo Bills who, and I still have Josh Allen as my MVP candidate, but this is a rough, rough start for the young lad from Wyoming. Ben Roethlisberger, on the other hand, 18 of 32, 188 yards and a touchdown. About the same numbers that we had from him from last year. Uh, Najee Harris, This offensive line for Pittsburgh, we know they were beat up. We know they lost a lot of people in the offseason. Harris, 16 carries, uh, 45 yards. That's less than three yards a carry. Hopefully, hopefully they really focus on Najee Harris because he, I think, is the core for this team. Pittsburgh offense is Pittsburgh running, and we didn't see it from them last year. That's why they got knocked off early in in the playoffs. We need to see it from them early in 2021 if they have a chance to go far into the into the postseason. Uh, as it stands right now, though, I mean, let's look at this from a wider perspective. They're tied right now with the Cincinnati Bengals for the division lead with losses from Baltimore and Pittsburgh, from losses from uh, Cleveland and Baltimore. So the Steelers definitely have a chance to make a run at this division if they can stay in front of the pack. 49ers and Detroit Lions. Wow, was this also a game. 49ers absolutely came out on fire, and we kind of expected to. We kind of expected them to, uh, for sure. And Jimmy Garoppolo had a solid game, uh, 17 of 25, 314 yards and a touchdown. Trey Lance also got in this action, too, today, or yesterday. He had uh, one one pass, one completion for five yards, but that was a touchdown. So, hey, quarterback rating on your first game, 127.1. That's pretty darn good for the rookie. Obviously, he won't start next week, and I don't think he should either. But if they can get off to these crazy big leads and they can give give options to Trey Lance and experience for Trey Lance, I think that's huge for the program and huge for this franchise. The two bigger stories in this game, or three, I should say. There were a lot of big stories in this one. Um, Elijah Mitchell, rookie from Louisiana, goes 19 carries. 104 yards and a touchdown. Raheem Mostert got banged up in this game. He'll be out for the rest of the year with, I believe, 
um, an ACL injury or some kind of knee injury. So Elijah Mitchell will get the start. And after he after Moster went down in this game, Mitchell took over and really sparked this San Francisco offense that was able to get rolling. And sure enough, I mean, this team scored 31 points in the first half. Absolutely dominated Detroit's offense. The second story is Debo Samuel. We all saw how he did last year. I thought he did fantastic, him with uh, Brandon Ayuk. But Samuel had nine receptions, 189 yards, and a touchdown, second to only Tyreek Hill in yards this week. He was extremely explosive. Garoppolo's number one man in this game. Do I think he's the number one wide receiver? Probably. Probably. Right there to um, Brandon Ayuk. Although, receiver-wise, it's it might be uh, George Kittle over Debo Samuel. But his name was definitely known in this one. He's going to say something to the teams that are coming up, which should hopefully open up these other wide receivers and Elijah Mitchell to do some more damage. For the Detroit Lions, the, the third story in this game was that the Lions actually came back massive in this one, scoring 16 points in the last two minutes to really make this a ball game. So do the Lions have fight? Absolutely. Do they have a chance at their division? Probably not. But the fact that you score 33 total points against a 49er defense that I still consider probably being the top five of defenses in the NFL is really saying something. Also, the rest of your division looked really weak in the defensive spot. So if this sneaky Detroit offense can actually do some good, I mean, hey, Jared Goff, after hating on him offseason, really proved me wrong this week. 38 of 57, 338 yards, three touchdowns, and only one interception. Do I think he should be throwing that much? No. But do I think he played a solid game? Absolutely. This is what he needs to do week in and week out. Protect the ball. Probably needs to push it downfield a little bit more, but I like where the Detroit Lions are headed. Another one that surprised me, not the not the uh not the winner, but the score. The Arizona Cardinals demolished the Tennessee Titans 38 to 13. And guys, that score was after the third quarter. Nobody scored in the fourth quarter. 38 to 13. After after only three quarters, right? Kyler Murray was absolutely dominant. 21 of 32, 289 yards, four touchdowns in an interception. And y'all must have seen that play where he juked out, I believe, five different defenders to pass the ball downfield. He, he was a living video game in this one. DeAndre Hopkins, six receptions, 83 yards, and two touchdowns. Right after I hated on DeAndre Hopkins for not scoring touchdowns this offseason... The man puts out two like no problem. Arizona's offense was looked the most stable and the most like the most confident I have seen them in the last two years. I'll straight up say it. I know Kyler Murray had a great year last year, but there were still a lot of games where he felt uncomfortable in the pocket and he was making risky throws. This one, no way. Great in the pocket. When he got out of the pocket, he was still looking downfield and made some fantastic throws in this one. The other story was on maybe even bigger than Kyler Murray was on the Cardinals defense when Chandler Jones had five sacks and two of them being strip sacks on Ryan Tannehill. The man was a monster. Left tackling for the Tennessee Titans had absolutely no chance in this game. And we're not even talking about J.J. Watt, the the future Hall of Famer who signed with the Cardinals in the offseason. His name wasn't really mentioned in this game. 
But I really think it shows that the offenses are focused more on J.J. Watt than they are these other guys, and Chandler Jones really exposed the Tennessee Titans. Now, I know Tennessee is notorious, at least for me, for not having the fantastic best offensive line. I think they're worse on the defensive side, which obviously showed against the Cardinals scoring 38 and three quarters. But this is a run-heavy team. Derrick Henry, only 17 carries for 58 yards. This man needs to be pumping out 30 carries. I'll just straight up say it. 30 carries with over 120 yards per game. That is how this team wins. Ryan Tannehill, 21 of 35, 212 yards, and a touchdown and an interception in this one with two fumbles by Chandler Jones. Tennessee's defense looked conf- Tennessee's offense looked confused. They didn't look comfortable. Nobody seemed confident. It was the exact opposite of the Arizona Cardinals. Julio Jones and Mike Vrabel are obviously having struggles in the locker room with the comments by the head coach this past uh, during the game or during the press conference. Um, I'm not going to go into the politics of that, but it just shows that maybe this Tennessee team isn't as cohesive as we all thought they would be. And looking at the rest of the AFC, Houston got a massive dub. The Colts are still very dangerous in this in this division. The Tennessee Titans, I think. Uh, should be a little worried for the rest of the year. Speaking of the Colts, the Seattle Seahawks, another surprising victory in my opinion. And not that the Seattle Seahawks won, but that they actually dominated this one. 28-16 to was the final score. Late touchdown by the Colts made it a 12-point game, but it was 28-10 for a lot of the fourth, fourth quarter. Russell Wilson, 18 of 23, 254 yards, Four touchdowns, Chris Carson, 16 carries, 91 yards. Tyler Lockett, four receptions, 100 yards, two touchdowns. And DK Metcalf also had four receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown. Remember what I said about how the Seahawks come out hot during the uh, beginning of the season? Well, they proved it again against a very capable and good Indianapolis Colts defense. The Seahawks were able to throw the ball deep downfield a majority of the time. That's how they won this game was uh, Russell Wilson with the deep ball. Seahawks have a dominant offense. The bigger thing was their pass rush this week. They were getting at Carson Wentz play in and play out, shutting down the wide receiver, shutting down Jonathan Taylor, who had 17 carries for 56 yards and was the lead and was the leading receiver with 16 with six receptions and 60 yards. I love how Jonathan Taylor is a dynamic uh, running back. But Indianapolis is going to have to utilize these other wide receivers now that T.Y. Hilton is out for a few more weeks. The, the Colts are going to have to find something. Carson Wentz, 28 of 38, 25 of 38, 251 and two touchdowns. Kept the ball clean, but he's got to be more productive. I think these are the right numbers for the Indianapolis Colts. Maybe run Taylor a little bit more, but, the, but Wentz has got to be more productive. I know he was injured. I know he's in a new system. But the fears that we had for Wentz came true in week one, and he's got to prove a lot of doubters wrong moving forward. The Chargers and the Washington football team. 20-16 to 16 in favor of the Chargers. The outcome I was not surprised about. A little bit of a low-scoring game, but a tight one, just like just predicted. Biggest story in this one, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down with a hip injury, and he will be out. For the next few weeks, I believe it might be even six to eight weeks. So the job goes to uh, 
Tyler Henneke. So the job goes to Taylor Henneke, which honestly is not a bad option. T Henneke went 11 for 15, 122, one touchdown, and no interceptions and no fumbles. Henneke looked great in that playoff game against Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he looked great against a good Chargers defense. Washington might even want to use Henneke more than Ryan Fitzpatrick in the future, and I can't believe I'm really saying this. But this is two big games we've seen Henneke come in for, and he's shown himself to be very valuable. Antonio Gibson had a solid game with 20 carries and uh, 90 yards. Terry McLaurin as well, four receptions for 62 yards. Uh, both these teams, I think, did what they wanted to do. Obviously, Washington had a few mishaps in the second half with a missed field goal, and uh, Gibson had that fumble. So I think the Washington football team wanted to score a few more points. But Justin Herbert had a uh, had an off week one, I will say, 31 of 47, 337, a touchdown and an interception. But he kept his team alive. He kept his team there. He fought till the very end. I think he was he did great leadership stuff this week, and not necessarily his stat lines fantastic, but you could tell he was energized in this one. And I think the Chargers are just finding their rhythm, finding. Uh, their identity, just like they found at the end of last year. And I think they'll eventually find it. I'm not worried about the Chargers whatsoever. Washington football team now, although I like Henneke, this division just got a lot better than we thought they were going to. So Washington's really going to have to step up their game, especially since they have a lot of really tough games coming up middle of this season. The New York Jets versus the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> a battle between a lot of former Jets players on the Carolina Panthers against the rookie uh, quarterback, Zach Wilson. Final score in this one, 14-19 in favor of the Panthers. Both quarterbacks had average games, I'd say. I don't think Zach Wilson did terrible for a rookie quarterback. Would have loved to have seen them play, um, have a lot of cleaner balls. He threw good, he threw good passes, but a lot of wobbly, wobbly throws. Um, would have loved to have seen him uh, throw his wide receivers a little bit more open. He still went 20 of 37, 258 yards, two touchdowns, and only one interception. Corey Davis with five receptions, 97 yards, and two touchdowns. So I think their offense was working with it. Carolina's defense really showed up. Um, didn't really think they had that uh, opportunity, but a lot of lot of uh, second-year men on the Panthers team who are really showing their colors. Sam Darnold, pretty decent game. Had a clean game, 24 of 35, 279 and a touchdown. But boy, Christian McCaffrey's back, boys. 21 carries, 98 yards, 9 receptions, 89 yards. If Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy and Sam Darnold truly finds his stride and truly gets it going with his wide receivers, especially former teammate Robbie Anderson, this offense might be a little bit more dangerous than we think. And maybe, maybe can go 50%. I was going to say playoff chances, but I th the rest of this NFC team... NFC is way too good. But hopefully Carolina, with a lot of young players, can get in the right direction. Browns versus Chiefs. The game of the week by far. I want to say the, the Ravens game was better, which I think it was. But this one is oh, this one is a big candidate. Alright. Let's just let's just go with this one. The Browns had a 12 point lead. I mean, the Browns did absolutely everything correct in this game. 
But then the Chief, Mahomes did Mahomes. Mahomes throws the ball up there. Kelsey and Tyreek Hill get under it, and then they score points. I mean, it's just there is no stopping this Kansas City Chiefs offense. Last year in the playoffs, I know it was colder, but they didn't show this type of fire when the Browns were coming at them in the second half. This time, when they were down 12 points, Kansas City was having none of it. Play calling got better. Travis and Tyreek got on fire. Mahomes was finding his stride. Mahomes actually ran for the first touchdown in this game. Chiefs win 33-29. to Chiefs are the most dominant team in the AFC. I don't think there's another team that's actually going to come close. I was thinking the Buffalo Bills, but we saw, saw them get exposed by the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers this week. The Chiefs are the most dominant team in the NF in the AFC. The Browns have a good defense. They showed their good defense in the first half, but this team scored 23 points in the second half, 13 in the fourth quarter. There's no stopping the Chiefs, in my opinion. And I don't really need to show you any of the stat lines or what happened, but all you know is that the big three for Kansas City did their thing again. And I always stress how much a team needs to have a great balanced offense. Great running backs, solid quarterback and receivers. And not to say that Carl um, Carl Edwards-Hilaire is a bad running back. He's good. But 14 carries, 43 yards, he wasn't a factor in this game. It was all Mahomes. It was all Hill and Kelsey. And they did their thing. Now for the Browns. Even though they lost, and Mayfield had that bad interception at the end of the game, and I, he was just trying to throw it out. He did a smart decision, just momentum, bad luck, honestly. They played a phenomenal game. I mean, the first three quarters of this game, they had in the back, right? Mahomes just did Mahomes' thing, and in the playoffs, I don't think you're going to change it. In the regular season, I don't think you're going to change it. But this team, I think, could have beaten anyone else in the AFC today, or yes, on, on Sunday. On Sunday, how the Browns played on the road in a hostile environment could have beaten any team in the AFC, and they just happened to playing the Chiefs, and they lost by only four points. Cleveland, I pray, takes this opportunity to learn, but not get discouraged. Because if Baker plays another clean game, if Chubb keeps doing what he's doing, if Odell could stay healthy and actually get in this game at some point, then the Browns will be a dominant team in the AFC. Packers Saints. 3 to 38. And it's not in favor of the Packers. Jameis Winston comes in his in his first game uh starting on week 1 in quite a few seasons. He goes 14 of 20, 148 yards and five touchdowns. Rodgers Goes 15 of 28, 133 yards, and two interceptions. A tale of two cities, if I've ever heard one. Guys, I have never seen, and I've been watching Rodgers since I was pretty young. I have never seen Rodgers give up so easily in a football game. I don't even know if he wanted to be there. There was no energy, no smiling, no bringing the team back. This is a Saints team that we did not expect to be having this dominant of an offense. We truly didn't, or dominant of a defense. Yes, they're good, and we think they're great, but this is a Packers team that has gone to the NFC Championship the last two years in a row. And Rodgers, 
He took basically the whole offseason off, Doesn't want, didn't want to come back, and honestly, truly, I thought that Rodgers had the dignity to go out and hustle and play another great season of football to make his legacy last longer. He's in a very easy division with the rest of the teams that are in there. And Rodgers seems like he doesn't want to be there at all. He was making the weirdest throws, the dumbest throws, throws into coverage over looking past wide open guys. It was almost as if he was purposely playing bad. Then he, when he throws an interception, he gets up, shrugs it off, and goes to the sideline, doesn't say anything, sits on the sideline. I mean, this was the weakest, laziest performance by Rodgers that I, in my lifetime, have ever seen. On the other hand, Winston completely exploited the Packers' defense, who I don't know if they were also disheartened by Rodgers' play or they were still trying their hardest and Winston um, completely just, like I said, exploited them. Winston, I don't think, I, the, one of the bigger stories this week, especially on ESPN and a lot of these talk shows that I've um, seen, is that Winston's now in the MVP candidate or MVP picture. I don't think he will be. For week one, MVP for week one, you could make a very strong case. MVP for the season, I highly doubt it. Um, there's just, once they get to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, once they get to these some some other solid teams in the NFC, we'll see if Winston's a part of it. They played a very, very lazy, disheartened Packers, defense, Packers team this year. And a lot of times I see teams like this get up and um, go get it the next game. I'm not sensing that from Green Bay. This could be the fall of a Packers team that we have seen dominate this division for nearly a decade. And now we'll see what other team can take advantage. Will it be the Bears? Will it be the Packers? Will it be a surprising Lions team that scored actually the most out of anybody in their division this week? Not sure, but I am terrified. Broncos Giants Broncos 27 to 13 in New York take this game by a storm. Teddy Bridgewater looked absolutely fantastic, guys. 28 of 36, 264, two touchdowns, had a very clean game. He looked a little bit scramblish in the pocket, but he was making very very smart throws, making quick throws. His ball's not super fast, but he looked very smart. Um he I want to say he looked comfortable in the uh, pocket, even though he was scrambling a lot, but he looked in control of what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? But also Melvin Gordon, who we haven't seen taking the number one uh, running back position in a while, went 11 carries, 101 yards, and a touchdown, including that breakout touchdown that he had in the fourth quarter, right? So overall, great game for the Broncos. They absolutely dominated on the defensive end like I thought they would. Truly, I thought they had a great defense and they truly, truly uh, stepped up. But the Giants, man, I mean, I know the Broncos have a good defense, but the Giants looked bad. Not weak, not lazy, but just bad. Daniel Jones has not stepped up to that number one quarterback position behind Eli Manning like we all thought he would, like the owner predicted, Saquon Barkley. I know he's had injury problems in the past, but good night. This is two seasons of week one you know, of week one games that have been um, less than bad, honestly. He has yet to find his stride. 
Is it the offensive line for the Giants? I don't think so. I don't think you can have this bad of an offensive line and still have your quarterback with the most with the most yards. Like it's just unacceptable. Barkley, ten of twenty, ten carries, twenty six yards. I mean that that's unacceptable. And they need to be th- running him more. This is a team that is a run first team. Saquon Barkley, man, rookie rookie season was absolutely spectacular. One rookie of the year. Since then, nothing's been seen of him. I. I'm worried that the Giants are falling down a slippery slope. Jones has to be better. Barkley's got to get more touches and has to be better himself. Broncos, though, are going to make things very interesting in the AFC West with this dominant victory. Let's get to Sunday Night Football. Another fantastic game dominated by the Rams, but a lot of great storylines. Final score of 34-14 to in favor of the Los Angeles Rams, who finished who started this uh, their season at home in SoFi Stadium. And, guys, with a full with a full stadium in Los Angeles, I mean, that place is just fantastic. Anyway, Matthew Stafford, the former line, gets his first start for the Los Angeles Rams. And one of the bigger, um, shall I say, rumors in the NFL is that Stafford has always been a top-10 quarterback, has always had uh, great numbers, but he never has had the team around him. Well, now he's in L.A. with the greatest defense in the NFL, arguably. Now he's got a wide receiver core. Now he's got a run game. What can he do? Well, let me tell you what he did. He won this game and scored 34 points doing it. 20 of 26, 321 yards, and three touchdowns. The man was chucking bombs. The man was, I mean... Clean, comfortable, happy. The man was jolly on the sideline. You could finally tell. And I don't think he had any problems in Detroit. Otherwise, other than that, he just had a terrible team around him. But you could see it was almost like he was free. It was almost he's like, now I can get to work. After how many seasons in the NFL, I finally have the chance to do some good. And now I think this dominant performance by the LA Rams, we were careful to see what would happen. In week one, I th- I think they're the best team in the AFC West, but now I know they are the best team in the A- in the NFC West. Andy Dalton for the Chicago Bears had an Andy Dalton kind of day. 27 of 38, 206 in the interception. Uh, Justin Fields, another rookie quarterback, also got some action in this game. Went two uh, completions, or two attempts, two completions, 10 yards. Uh, but also had a rushing touchdown in this one as well. So do I think Fields should start next week? I mean, it's debatable, right? Um, They play the Cincinnati Bengals. You could easily give them a start next week, I'd say. But from a passing standpoint, I still think Andy Dalton is, is in control of this team, which means he's going to have to step it up. Andy Dalton finally has a team that he is in control of, which I do think he is. He's got a rookie behind him that is trying to get his spot. So now he's got motivation, a team, a decent defense, decent wide receivers, and a great running back. The man's going to have to step it up. Another couple performances like the one he had today, and the Bears are kind of smoked. Last game, and in my opinion, the most entertaining game, Ravens versus Raiders. Monday Night Football, and was this one a show? 
Ravens caught on, got on early and had about a seven-point victory for most of this game. Then came the fourth quarter. Um, then these guys just caught fire when it comes to finding their role on offense. Ravens scored 10. Raiders scored 17 just in the fourth quarter. And I'm not going to go through the entire um, play-by-play of what happened in the overtime, but it was one of the greatest overtimes that I have seen. Derek Carr, guys, 34-56, 435 with yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Josh Jacobs also 10 carries, 34 yards, and two touchdowns. Raiders, this is finally the game that the Raiders had potential for all year. I don't think we actually saw an offense for the Raiders quite like this one. But against a good Ravens team, even with all the ACL and MCL injuries they've had this year and all the people they lost in the offseason, I still think this is a good Ravens team. But the Raiders fought, dug, scratched, and they got the victory. Do the Raiders have something to say in the AFC playoff picture? I truly think they do. Ravens have had one of the best offenses in recent years. Lamar Jackson is still dominant. And you hold them to 27 points, which I thought was still pretty respectable. So do I think they have a something to say? Yes. Here's my concern, though. We saw the Raiders do this last year against this Tampa Bay, or <laughs> the New Orleans Saints, right? Come out Monday Night Football in uh, Raider Stadium in the Death Star, and they beat the Saints. Where did the Saints go? They won the division and went to the playoffs. Where, where did the Raiders go? Well, they went about 50. They went about like 7-9 or something like that and missed the playoffs. So do I I think the Raiders are going to have to prove me something in later weeks. They're going to have to like prove that they can do this again. Do I think they can? Absolutely. Do I think the Raiders are out of the playoff picture with how dominant the Cleveland Browns and Steelers looked? Not at all. I think they're still in that mix. I still I still think this is a solid Ravens team, but it's also a bad look in week 1. So there's your recap for last Sunday and last Thursday and last Monday. We have a game tomorrow, though, and it's the Washington football team against the New York Giants. Both teams took serious L's in week one, but I think the Washington football team looked uh, better. And we can honestly go through my experiment that I did later uh, last earlier last week. But quarterback has been Henneke in his few starts he's had. He's looked overall the better quarterback, the most productive quarterback, uh, the cleanest quarterback over Daniel Jones, even though he's got, Jones has more experience. Running back-wise, you would think Saquon Barkley, but look at recent numbers. Antonio Gibson physically is doing better than Saquon Barkley. Receiver core, Terry McLaurin is doing better than the guys over there in, in New York. Um, Defense-wise, Obviously, that goes to Washington, holding the Chargers to 20, and you let the Broncos score 27 for the Giants. And then offensive line, it goes slimly to the Washington football team, but both teams don't necessarily have great ones. So I think everything is pointing towards Washington. Final score, I'm going to go 24-17 to in favor of the Washington football team in a nice, good game. But honestly, I'm going to play it safe with my score, but this could be a breakout for the Washington football team. This could be something to spark their season and honestly doom the Giants for the rest of the year who could just end up being uh, in a top three pick 
in the 2022 NFL Draft. Well, there you go, guys. Make sure to like and subscribe on social media. I'm going to get to the rest of my week two predictions this upcoming Friday night. Make sure to check it out on the NFL Study Hall podcast, wherever you get your podcast graphics coming out later this week about predictions and recaps and whatnot. So make sure to check it out on social media. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great rest of your night and week. Peace out.